Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Everyone here and at home, we are glad to have you. Um, welcome to Revival Sunday. We have a special guest pastor in the house today that will be delivering our message. Um, if you don't know him, his name is Pastor David Baker, and um, he used to be the pastor here. He was the pastor when I was growing up, so he's been a pastor for many of us. Um, and this is this is home for him, too, so it's good to have him and have him in town. Um, he actually was the pastor here for eight years, and then he moved to Glasgow, Kentucky, where he pastored there. Um, and now he is the pastor of Martin's Chapel in Troop, Texas. Um, so he will be delivering our message later today, and we're excited for that. Um, if you will join me in prayer this morning before we enter into a time of worship and music, let's bow our heads. Uh, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have to gather together and to be a church, a community, a family, as we continue to run towards your heart and learn from you and let it affect our daily lives. I pray that you would just um, let us become more aware of your presence today here among us, um, because we know you are already here and you came with us. Um, but would you just open our hearts and our minds to receive um, this time of worship and the message that we will be hearing later today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys look good for 110 years old. That's our celebration today, isn't it? 110 years of ministry in this place. How exciting that is. I don't know, though, if there's a little bit that goes with getting old. You know what I mean? You notice my mask is in my pocket because I can't wear my mask and the glasses at the same time. There are parts of getting old that you just have to learn to work with. Like any organization getting older, you have to learn to work with a few things. Like, ugh, you do this when you get up in the morning? Ugh, things just hurt. Are you with me? Not, not, is anybody out there? <laughs> Not here. Here so, so what's exciting about living a long time is that you get have to get used to things not working like it used to. How's your memory today? Y'all groan instead of say amen. I understand that. I'm in the same boat. I put my glasses in the same place every time. I only drive my four-wheeler about once a month. I put it in the same place every time. I put my keys in the same place every time. Why? I can't remember if I don't do it that way. We have a way of trying to cope in life because our memory is not always so good. I want us to talk about a little bit of memory calisthenics spiritually today. I think that there are some good things about kind of becoming short-sighted with memory because there's some things we need to forget. There's some things we need to remember and there's some things we need to forget. So if we're having a little 
memory problem in the church, that might not be a bad thing. I want you to turn in your Bibles today to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 12 through 16. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12 and going through verse 16. Not that I have... Would you stand with me with the reading of God's Word today? Let's honor His Word. Lord, speak to us in this moment. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me His own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining, pressing to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. The reading of God's Word. Blessed be the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, in this moment, we just pray that you will come close to us, that you'll expose your presence to us, that you'll help us to press for what we need to press for and help us to forget what we need to forget. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, and let your obvious presence and word be found in us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to know what this and it is. When I read this passage, it makes me go, huh? It makes me want to be able to understand better what he's talking about. What's the this? What is the it? And I also want us to be able to look at what it is that we're trying to forget. Now, before we get started, let's look at our landscape. What is happening here in Philippians, in the book of Philippians as a whole, especially as Paul gets to chapter 3? When we look at this book, the audience is y'all. If you're in the South, it's y'all. For those Northerners, you know, some of us were born in the South. The rest of you got here as soon as you could. That's good. It would be you guys. So what is neat is anytime you see you or the audience here, it's not personal or singular, it's plural, so it's y'all. Anytime that we see an incredibly sanctification passage like this, we got to know this is not individuals he's encouraging to be sanctified. He's saying, y'all, the church... I like that. I like the fact that not God's not only saying, well, He's sanctified and she's sanctified. The whole stinking bunch is sanctified. The whole group is obeying me. The whole group is filled with the Spirit. The whole group is getting along. The y'all is work. I like that. So when Paul is writing this message, He's writing it to the church, to the y'all. The church at Philippi was having pressure from the outside. In a hundred 
and 10 years. Has this church ever had oppression? There's been days we had a lot of ministry and no money. There's been days in this church that we had plenty of money and no ministry. The enemy seemed to be camped out right at this church. Go pick on somebody else. Leave us alone. They were oppressed from the community outside. And you wondered at times, what's the use in going forward? If there's ever been a time that the church has been oppressed, it's now. COVID tells us what we can't do. And we have a tendency to find ourselves going, what's the church all about anymore anyway? I want you to know, this is not a new day. The church has been oppressed all through history. And the church at Philippi was oppressed from without. You kind of take a big sigh of relief and say, at least we have calm inside the church, right? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Have you ever gone to church before? It doesn't matter whether you've got oppression outside. A lot of times there's infighting and challenges inside the church. Ever been that way here? (laughs) I know you better. I've lived among you. There's been challenges inside. Paul is writing to a church and he's saying, y'all, let's get on the same page Let's press forward for something that is greater than we are. Let's leave behind something that we can't do anything about anymore. And I like this passage because I think it clearly defines where we as a church, not just Wix Nazarene Church, but the church of Jesus Christ is today. We've got some business we need to be forgetting. It's good that we have amnesia. It's good that we have a little spiritual dementia, if you will. And we can't remember all that stuff because we're too busy pressing into the heart of Christ and His will in our lives. We're too busy obeying Him and the next step and the next step and the next step. We forgot where we used to. Are you with me today, church? And There's a press that we need to do and there's a forgetting that needs to take place. Well, now that we've gotten kind of the landscape, we know that the church of Philippi is actually pretty much like us. Like the church of the Nazarene at Martin's Chapel, like the church of the Nazarene in Wix. I mean, you know, hey, that's that's kind of like us. Then we can take this message now and apply it to our lives. We have a tendency sometimes to say it's never been this bad before. You know what? we really have it good right now according to the way it's been in the past. Some of the times throughout history and in the biblical day, we've never had it so good. So let's look at Scripture and see what the instructions were when they really did have some trouble. One more thing about the context is that Paul is not writing from his office. He did not pull up his laptop and type it and send it by email to the church of Philippi. Paul was in prison. So whenever he mentions, I consider it joy every time I think about you, you got to understand he's got pressure. When he's talking about the future, you got to understand he's on death row. And so when Paul is pouring out his heart, he pours out this positive message 
when he is in personal peril. But I love the passage. I love it so much that I got to find out what the this and the it is. Don't you? Don't you want to find out what, what is it that has already been attained? What is it that he's pressing for? What is the this and the it of this passage? To know Christ. To know Christ. Can I tell you something today? It's not rocket science, the Christian life. I want you to know sometimes each brand and each denomination has its own agenda, has its own way to the cross. But the bottom line is this. He loves us. He wants to know us. And when we finally quit running and turn around and get embraced by our lover, Jesus Christ, all we can do is get to know Him. And His presence changes us Right now in my church, I go, woo! That's good news. Paul said, I want to know Christ. In verse 7, he's, at verse 8, he says, More than that, I regard everything a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He moves forward in verse 10 and he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Why did He save me? Did He save me and redeem me just so I can get my ticket punched to go to heaven? No. He wants to transform me. Keep moving along there. And the sharing of His suffering and becoming like Him in His death if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I love this. Christ has moved into this arena of life to transform people who believe in Him. I want to know that, Paul says. So when we get to this passage in verse 12, not that I have already obtained it. Now I want you to know our salvation is a stubborn thing. When you believe in Jesus Christ, He hugs you up and you can't get away from His love from now on. There is an eternal nature to that love. He will search you. He will seek you. He will chase you. He loves you. And that redemptive process is wonderful. But Paul says, I haven't attained the knowledge. I haven't attained the fullness of His resurrection. Why? He was raised from the dead to give me new life. I haven't attained it yet. The it and the that is what he's talking about. We have but a short Time to live. We're not guaranteed another day. This life is but minuscule. And what we do for Christ, we got to do quick. And we can do more for the kingdom as a collective group than just me by myself. Are you with me today? This church needs harmony. This church needs the pressing for Christ. This church needs a little amnesia of the past so that we can go forward. And what I love about it is that because of that beginning, there's great things in store as we serve Him together. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own 
Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Paul says that there is an intensity. There is a pressing toward the goal of Christ. There is a pressing into his nature. There is a pursuing his call on my life. Did you know I'm a plumber? I'm the furthest thing from a plumber you've ever met. Now I've glued a lot of PVC together in my chicken house growing up days, but I am not a plumber. However, my church in 2018 went to Cactus, Texas in a mission center in Cactus, Texas, and we were building a health clinic so that they could minister to the nations who have come to that desert, windswept, plain town of Cactus, Texas, and build a, a, a clinic so that they can treat people from all over the world that come there to work in the processing plants. And as I walked on the site, they said, Hey, plumber, how you doing? And I went, You got the wrong guys. No, you'll be great. They have a new thing called pecs. It's great. Red is hot water. Blue is cold water. I mean, even me, even in what I do, in my preaching occupation, I can take that little crimper, I can take one pipe, put an elbow on it, get another of the same color, and you put these little sleeves and you got a crimper, and you put a little pressure. No glue. No soldering like with copper. You just push it together and boom, you have a line run. We ran water all over that clinic. And I'm saying, Lord Jesus, please make this work. Cramp. Lord Jesus, please make this work. Cramp. But you know, when we turned on the water, we had our fingers crossed in a praying fashion saying, Lord Jesus, make it work. And what was neat is there were, no, there were no floods. Every crimp was perfect. That little tool did its job and a great amount of pressure did its job. There is a pressure that is applied, that we apply to life to get the flow of the juice of the Spirit in the right place. He's doing His work. I... uh bought a Roman coin in Israel. Got a certificate of authentication that that was an artifact. It's really cool to hold a piece of history in the palm of my hand. And did you know that when you looked at that coin, it had a particular Caesar's face on it? A ruler of the entire known world at that time. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? Paul said, and, and I love the concept that they press that image into a coin so that you can look at it thousands of years later and say, wow, he ruled the whole known world at the time. Paul would say, I press so close to Christ. I want to know Him and the power of the resurrection. I want to know Him in His suffering. I want to know Him in the life so that all you can see in me is the image of Christ that comes through me. 
There is a pressing that we do. And it's not to get my way. It's not to fill an agenda of the church. It's to know Christ. And when I know Christ, His image, the greatest ruler in all the known world ever, will shine through me as I move through this place called life. Do you you know what would happen if we all had that image pressed on us? Do you know what would happen if this church just had the image of Christ, the presence of Christ, when prayers that prayed here changed the world? Do you know how people would flock to this place? We would change the world as we know it today. Paul said, I press. It it is not that I've already attained it yet, but I, I pressed to make it, knowing Christ, my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. It's just a natural process. Verse 13, Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of a heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Spiritual amnesia in this place would be a good thing. Spiritual dementia, if you will, this innate thing that happens to us that the older we get, the harder it is to remember. It actually may not be a bad thing for the church. Is every memory of the past pleasant? No. Do we need to learn from those things of the past? Yes. But should we get so stuck in where we've been that we can't press toward where we're going? Any of the failures, any of the challenges, any of the hardships, any of the tears need to be behind us. As the man in prison writes, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And I press that His image will be shaped in my life. There's some looking back too that's not so bad. When I think about our past and our history, the church at Wicks Nazarene is who it is today because the prayers of many of the saints gone by. There's a few names that I'd like to mention. And no, this is not going to be a roll call because if I did, I'd miss a lot. But names like Cecil Nix, names like Al Ayers, names like R.L. Brown, like Lige Winfield. I think it was actually Elijah but people just got tired of saying the whole thing, so it's just Lige, Lige Winfield, Preacher Bob Sullivan. These are names of good memories of the past. I hear that Al Ayers actually had an occupation of cleaning bars out. 
Before Jesus, he'd walk into a bar and he would throw everybody out so that he could drink alone. I think that is incredible! Because <laughs> there was a revival that started in Pilot Point, Texas. And it began to be a wildfire of revival. It ignited and it came across the Texas border. It hit Highway 71 and it lit up the border of Arkansas and the border of Oklahoma. And churches of the Nazarene started everywhere. And one of the people that got saved in one of those brush arbor meetings was Al Ayers. And Al Ayers became such a prayer warrior and a preacher that at one time they would say, well, is that the church of the Nazarene or is that one of those Al Ayers churches of the Nazarene? He was powerful and he had an imprint and a thumbprint and his prayers that he prayed over this place are still being answered today. People like R.L. Brown. R.L. Brown was in Missouri. He got saved in a revival that got up there of the church of the Nazarene. He went all the way down to Pilot Point, Texas and got trained in the, being a pastor in the church of the Nazarene. On his way back to Missouri, he got kind of convicted to stop right here in Wicks, Arkansas. He farmed out on the edge of town and he had seven preaching points. Of his seven preaching points, two of the points aren't even towns today. One of them didn't take, but there are still four churches that R.L. Brown had as preaching points. And he prayed over his church churches. And he prayed over his family, of which I, on my mother's side, am an answer to that prayer today. This was his church, and he pastored it for somewhere around eight years. Lige Winfield was the pastor of a church over in Lone Star, Arkansas. I know you're going, well, where's that? Well, the reason you're saying where's that is because it doesn't exist today. It was a town over in the edge of Arkansas, right on the Oklahoma border that dried up and blew away. Well, when it dried up and blew away, he didn't dry up and blow away. He just moved a few miles to the east and began to reside at, or, or, or come to church at the church of the Nazarene at Wicks. And he pastored this church for over seven and a half years. He is one of the premier longest pastoring pastors in the church, at Wicks Church of the Nazarene, not even counting his days at Lone Star. He had a rock that he would go to every day and he would pray, Oh God, bless my church. Oh God, bless my kids. And if anybody in your church by the last name of Winfield or Sullivan, they are probably descendants of Lige Winfield. We keep going down the line. Preacher Bob Sullivan is actually the great-grandfather-in-law of your pastor today. B.J. Jenkins is from that lineage. Thomas is a great-grandson. I am a great-grandson. He too had a rock that he would go pray at. And if you wondered where 
Preacher Bob Sullivan was just follow the line of sweat where he had been plowing with his mules and he'd be leaning at that rock praying that God would bless his church. I was out uh, stepping off the place where we were about to build the, the, the new Ed Wing. I'm stepping it off and I'm so excited. It's going to be this long and it's going to be this wide and I'm just beside myself and God said, you know what I'm doing? And I went, yeah, you're giving us new space so that we can reach this community and reach this area for Christ. And he said, no. So I got still for a moment and I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm answering preacher Bob Sullivan's request to bless his church. And for the life of me, I don't know why the Spirit shared that with me, but folks, we walk in a long line of a great heritage. I was in the home of Brian Musgrave one of the last times I would ever get to speak with him. We're talking about the Lord and we're talking about the church and he says, and I talk about my background with Preacher Bob Sullivan and the heritage and he said, Preacher Bob Sullivan was the favorite pastor that I've ever heard preach. He said, I used to go hear him preach in Mount Pleasant. Preacher Bob Sullivan was a circuit walking preacher. I know you heard of circuit riding preachers, but the mules rested on Sunday. He would walk to churches, and if he could physically walk there, he would preach wherever they needed a preacher. And one day at preaching there at Mount Pleasant, Brian Musgrave heard the message and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. We walk in the line of a great, great heritage. It's okay to look back to see that, but we must keep our eyes because our time is short. We only have a limited amount of energy and breath and time to serve the Lord. We need to press in to the nature of Jesus as He is pressing into us that His image can illuminate our life. When Paul says forgetting what's behind, I think uh, my favorite example is the rearview mirror on our cars. Would you buy a car today if the windshield became the size of the rearview mirror? And would you buy that car if the rearview mirror became the size of the windshield? I think the answer would be no. When we are driving down the road, getting to the destination that we have desired or planned to go to, we want to be able to look up in the rearview mirror and see just a glimpse of where we've been. Because where we've been informs us of how we need to travel to where we're going. But Lord Jesus, I want a windshield. I want a view that's unencumbered. I want it to be big and large as life. And I don't want anything in my way so I can keep my eyes going forward. Folks, looking into the past is important. It's good to glance at the Lige Winfields. It's good to glance at the R.L. Browns. It's good to glance at some that weren't so good. But we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we need to press into Him that we may go forward. 
Now Paul does something that I think is exciting here. Paul says as you look into the past and, and you see the mistakes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fight. If there's going to be a fight, make it a good one. I love that we can look in uh, Philippians chapter 1. And he says, if you want to fight, fight. It's okay to fight in the church, but don't be fighting each other. Fight with each other in the cause of Christ. Look at chapter 1, verse uh, verse uh, 27. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith in the gospel. I'm not, I don't know about you, but I believe Paul was an athlete and listening to the lingo, he was a runner and a boxer. If you're going to strive, strive with each other. If you're going to fight, fight with each other for the cause of Christ. Put all your effort into each other as you lean in to be imprinted with the presence of Jesus Christ. As I, as we move forward in this passage, I, I like the way that Paul then just kind of leaves it with them. He says, in verse 9, and, and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteous from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That wasn't what I intended to read. <laughs> Let's move on down to the passage that we're working with. And now in verse 14, I call, say, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature, mature what? In Christ, be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, that too, God will reveal to you. I, I, I love the fact that he's going, this is what I call you to do. I'm pressing. And I think you ought to press too. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I think you ought to want that too. But, if you have a different mindset, you know what? God's going to make that known to you. Paul has such a beautiful image of giving it all. He says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, I am crucified in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I love that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Don't let yourself be shaped any longer into the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's actually Hebrews chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable act of service. Church, I call on you today 
to know Christ. I call on you today to measure the time that you have. To know that you have just a little time left. Maybe just a little strength, but give it your all. And let's press into Him that He may prove His nature inside of us. I believe, like I was taught growing up, that has been taught ever since the beginning of the Christian church, that we are living in the last days. And we need to live as if this is our last. So how are you going to live it? Yeah, I wish we had the good old days. Those were great days, and I remember them like they were yesterday. Or are we going to look forward and press into Christ? We can't grieve over spilt milk, but we can press forward into where God is going. Have you ever heard of the Lament Psalms? They're the biggest grouping of psalms in your Old Testament. Psalms are songs that we pray or prayers that we sing. I'm not sure which, but they're both. They're songs and they're prayers. And most of them are lament. In the middle of my darkest day, I went ahead and took that prayer form, that song form, for a pony ride. In the middle of my darkest days when I could not see the light, when I really could not feel His presence, I went ahead and I took that lament form where you can tell God anything, where you can tell Him about your brokenness. And I said, God, you know, I feel silly doing this, but Your Word shows me that I can. And my heart is broken and I don't understand why what has transpired has transpired. But God, I know You're good, but where were You on April the 20th? Were you too busy to protect my family? I said, God, I'm just using prayer as a guideline. I'm using the Psalms. I'm using a lament. Where were you? Heaven was quiet. Crickets. White noise. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I thought, well, I got God on the run. So here we go. And I kept praying that prayer for a course of about two weeks. God, where were you? Were you asleep? What was wrong? I want you to know something amazing happened. All of a sudden, I didn't have to pray a prayer of request. All I had to do was think it. It was answered. Are you with me? Do you mean we have a God like that? We have a God like that. I began to think about people in my church that needed a divine touch. Bam, bam, bam. They were healed. I'm going, oh my goodness, what's happening? I had a desire to be able to purchase two acres of land and a matter of months later, seven and a half acres were given to us. Boom. Did you hear me? When land there is going for $5,000 an acre, you do the math. We didn't have the money, but I wanted two acres. Surely we can pay for that. God gave me seven and a half. I realized 
But God was not willing to answer my question about the past, but He had a future for me. And it was filled with His love. And it's filled with His presence. And it's filled with His power. Good enough for me. And so I began to move into His future. Church, you can whine over spilt milk. You can cry about the COVID and how it shut down the church. Or you can move forward in your life space. We do not have one church. Right here in this building we have about 40 churches. You need to use your life space to pursue Christ and let Him change those around you through you as we are segregated into clumps right now. The church is alive. We are the people of something more. And God is not through what He wants to do through you with His presence. Would you stand with me today? I realize that during the moment of COVID, in this momentary place, that we no longer use the altars. But I believe we still use our hearts. And I believe we still use our minds to hear the word and to obey. So in this moment, in this altar call. If you don't play the game, the person beside you is going to think that you are not listening to God, so go ahead and hold your hands out. Make it look like you're listening. Make it look like you're talking to God, but I want you to hold your hands out in a fashion with which you would receive from God. And I want you in this moment to just simply say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to surrender, I'll surrender. Whatever you want me to forgive and forget, I will forgive and forget. I just want you. I want to press toward you. Would you just pray in the silence of this moment and then I will close in prayer. But with your hands held out, say, God, give me what you want to give me. I think it's incredible that God has called many a ministers from this church. And why He chose this church, I'll never know. But you may be one of those today. Your pastor was called in this church to be a pastor and now is your pastor. He may be calling you to ministry, but he may just be calling you across the street. Would you just hold out your hands and just say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. In the quietness, you pray. Heavenly Father, we do not want to abuse Your Word today by not giving people an opportunity to be a living sacrifice. By not giving Your people an opportunity to be a one who pursues You by pressing close. 
We don't want to abuse your presence by not giving people the opportunity of being crucified with Christ and alive in his nature. So in the words of Paul, in the words of Hebrew, in the words of Peter and James, we and Paul and Christ, we call today and say, let their teachings be embodied in our life. We give you full surrender. The prayers that have been prayed in this place, the prayers that have been prayed by those worshiping with us over social media, Lord, sanctify your church. Fill us with your spirit. Stamp us, press us with the image of Christ so that like golden coins, we will be shown to have the image of the greatest leader and the greatest ruler in all the world. Our life is not our own. We give it to you. We pray that you will build a mighty kingdom through us. In Jesus' name we pray. And now for your glory. Would you bless those that couldn't be with us in worship today? Would you cause your face to shine upon them? And would you fill them with your presence? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In our lives we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.